Amen. And amen, church. It's so good to be here. I'm going to take an opportunity just because I don't know if we had one yet, but the one for one, and maybe we did. I don't know. But I want to give you an opportunity, if you have your dollars, to bring it up for the one for one. And as you bring it up during this time, I'm just going to pray over this and pray over you because like Rachel just said, lives are being impacted. We give a check to you, you nominate somebody, and their life has changed. They don't know me, they don't know many of us, but they're blessed with something. So let me pray, and if you have the dollar, you can bring it up. I just want to make sure you have that opportunity. God, thank you so much for Rachel casting the vision of our church. Thank you so much for people coming up and bringing $1. What difference does $1 make? $1 times $1 times $1 can make all the difference in the world, Father. So I thank you so much for what you're going to do through that, through the one-for-one. One, and thank you for, the, for you being a Savior that always goes after the one. That Jesus said, I would leave the 99 and I would go after the one. Father, in the name of Jesus, would you, with your power and anointing, be all over this message. Clear the hearts and the minds of everybody here. Let me hear a word directly from you that it might impact their life, not just in the moment, but when they leave here and go back home to friends, family, work, and all the things that are waiting for us outside the doors, Father. Have your way. We'll give you all the glory. In Jesus' name I pray. And we all say, amen. amen. So, we are in a brand new series called Living on Purpose. And this series makes perfect sense for our church because we are a church that points people to Jesus and their God-given purpose. Say purpose. purpose. I gotta have you say it. I gotta hear it from you. I, uh, there, if there was one question that somebody would ask more than any other question, maybe they don't ask it out loud, but I guarantee they've thought it. And I guarantee you've thought it. I think the number one question that people would ask in the world today is, what's after this life? Like, what's on the other side? Right? So, as, as a, if you're a follower of Jesus, you probably have a good indicator. If you've read the Word of God, it gives you many, it, it gives you a very clear indicator of what's, what's there. But, uh, you know, you think about it, we've all lost loved ones, right? We've lost friends, we've lost family, parents, grandparents. My, my, last, living grandma, my last living grandparent, my grandmother passed away a month ago. And, uh, you know, and, and, and people sometimes don't know what to say in those moments, but uh, they, I, I heard somebody, they said something like, she's in a better place, and that's awesome to hear, because I know that my grandma is in a better place. But then somebody said, well, you know, your grandma, she's up, you know, she's in heaven, and she's watching over everything you do. And I'm like, you know, I don't know if I want grandma watching everything. You know, I just, there's some certain times throughout the day, I, grandma don't need, you know, if once I eat Taco Bell, grandma don't need to see that. Grandma don't want to see that. I mean, there's some things grandma shouldn't be seeing. So, but I, but I know that they mean well. But, 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 but just imagine with me for a moment. Imagine that, like, someone that you love that has passed away, what, what, if, they, what if they came back? I mean, okay, back to my grandma. What if I, after I go home today, and we watch God do miracles today like he's going to do, and I go home, and I'm decompressing from the message, I'm kicking back, and the doorbell rings, I open the door, and there's grandma. She's standing right in front of me. The first thing, well, the first thing that happens, well, the first thing that happens is actually I, I have an episode like I ate Taco Bell, and then we get that all taken care of, and then my, I invite my grandma in, and she starts to talk to me, and she says, Monty, I've been to the other side, and I, I've, I've talked to Jesus, and, and, and this is what's happened, and this is what really matters, and this is what it's all about, and this is the way you should live, and this is what's really important, and she unpacks it. Because it's not just speculation, it's not just kind of a, uh, maybe, it is for real because she's been there and she's come back. Well, guess what? That happened. Not my grandma, okay? People are like, what the heck? No, no. The, uh, somebody was dead and came back to life. Okay, his name's Jesus. 2,000 years ago, a man walked the earth. And he literally died. 
And he was dead and he comes back to life. Man, you're getting the gospel early today. He comes back to life and he literally, to all of his disciples, all of his friends, family, he says, now this is what really matters. And he tried to cast that vision before he died. But, but, but I'm telling you what, when somebody dies and comes back to life, the vision's a little more compelling, isn't it? I mean, I, I tell people, it's one of our core values, Jesus. If a man predicts his own death and resurrection and he pulls it off, like I'm with him, okay? I'm, if he's there, I'm there. I'm, I'm on his team. I'm gonna do what he says. This is what Jesus does. So Jesus resurrects himself to life. And he gives a, a prolific statement. We know it as the Great Commission. If you've grown up in church, you've heard it before. I pray to Jesus that you hear today for the, like it's for the first time. Listen to the words of Christ. Now, now he, is, he has come back and he's got the attention. Again, he, they saw him dead and now they see him alive. They, their eyes wide open, listening to every word he says. And this is what he says. Jesus tells the disciples, I have been given all authority. I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach the new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. I am with you always, even until the end of the age. In other words, Jesus, what do you, he's saying to live your purpose. What's the first thing he said? Very first thing. He said you need to go and make disciples. And then he talks about baptizing and teaching. It, it's crazy, isn't it? What Jesus didn't say in the Great Commission, he did not now understand. Jesus is talking to the, like this is the, the, the first church. He's, ta- he's building his church. He's commissioning his church. And he doesn't say, all right, go and attend Church. That wouldn't make sense because they were the church. Okay, he didn't say go and go and hang out for a, 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 you know an hour and a, hour and a half on Sunday and sing some songs you know off key. You know who you are. Okay, I, I'm there too. So sing some songs off key, listen to a message, and then go live your life the rest of the week. He didn't say go and build a bunch of programs and fill up your schedule and get real busy for me. He didn't say any of that. That Jesus didn't say any of that. So, 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 Pastor, are, are you saying that what we're doing right now isn't important? Isn't important? No, what we're doing right now is, is crucial. Like the gathering, it, it, it's so important. The early church they gathered daily, not weekly. By the way, they, that's how important it was. So, what we're doing is critical. And but, but I'm telling you this: the worship experience it was never supposed to be about attendance. It's, it was supposed to be about participation in the body of Christ. This is the difference. Like, it's about growing closer to God and to each other. About learning about our God-given purpose and how to live it out. About loving others, right? And pointing them to Jesus who loves them even more. But ultimately, Jesus said it, not me. He said, you're to go and make disciples. Okay, so if that's the case, what's a disciple? I mean, like, if you walked up to somebody and you said, hey, what do you do for a living? And they're like, I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. Okay, I'd be like, no, you're weird. That's what you are, sir. Okay, that, that's what, uh, what is a disciple? I think sometimes we picture a disciple as, you know, maybe it's somebody else who's living off in a, a monastery in the woods and, you know, it's really secluded and peaceful and they wear a robe and they wear sandals and they sip wine all day. Right now somebody's thinking, dang, I'm in, pastor. Sign me up. Sign up after service. Yeah, no. So it's a little different than that. So I I have a definition for you. It's very simple. A disciple of Jesus is a believer 
You gotta be a believer in Jesus to be a disciple of Jesus. Who is in the process, say process. It's big. They're in the process of becoming more like Christ. It's growing in your relationship with Jesus. And that growth should be changing your life. It, it, that, don't, 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 I hope you heard what I just said. That growth should be changing your life. See, I think it's easy for people, especially people that attend church, you know, and people that maybe have been in the scripture before or maybe their parents were Christians or whatever the case is. It's easy for us to say, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm growing, I'm changing. I'm different than I was. But, but are you different for the better? That, are, are you really changing? Are you changing? Just because you memorize scripture doesn't mean you're changing. Just because you attend this church service doesn't mean you're changing. I know people that have attended church service for 30 years. They haven't changed. So do you want, and here's how you know if you're changed, okay? Ask somebody you live with. They'll tell you, okay? They might just tell you you're, you're the same jack wagon you've always been. You might, just, you might hear something you don't want to hear. You, they, so you can grow and not change. Like, here's a picture of my son Jake as a toddler. So I think, yeah, so there's Jake. Look at our little baby bear. So <laughs> remember that, Jake? He's like, Dad, shut up. So, so Jake, he's one year old maybe here. So he's, he's, he's grown since then, but he's also changed. So it'd be weird if Jake was a toddler and, Jake, you're growing to where you are now, a five-whatever-you-are uh, foot tall. And, but, but what if Jake didn't change in the process? What if, what if Jake was still acting like a toddler? Jake was still, like, like sp spitting his words out and stumbling around and trying to walk. I mean, if Jake was, I mean, uh, Jake, I'd give you a drug test if you were doing that now. So it'd be weird. But, he, but Jake's not doing that. In fact, I have proof that Jake's not just growing, but Jake is changing. So the next slide will show you that Jake, he's learning to shave, right? So, I mean, and he might not be doing it right. So we got work to do, don't we, Jake? I'm just saying. I told you, don't shave your eyebrows. It'll change the look. It's, you will not get a girlfriend, I promise you. I had a guy in high school. I was in uh, ag, ag class or whatever, industrial arts. I had a guy that was welding in a barrel, and an explosion happened. We had a lot of those in my school. And it, it literally shot at his face and singed all the hair on his, on his face. He had no eyebrows anyway. So he was, he was single throughout high school. But anyway, so it's, it's not a good look. But, but Jake, you're not only growing, but you're changing, right? So you can grow, but, but are you changing? Repeat after me. Say, growing, people, change. Are you truly changing? I sat in church for years. I wasn't changing. Not, 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 not to become more like Jesus. If, that, if the definition of discipleship or the definition of a disciple is, is, is to become more like Christ, I mean, I sat in church all the time. But it doesn't matter where you sit. It, it matters how you participate and, and how you, you allow the Holy Spirit to change you. So let me tell you something. Uh, churches have something, many churches have something called the discipleship process. This is a specific process to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus. I knew when we launched Meadows Church, gosh, you guys, October 8th, 2017, coming up on four years. We're coming up on four years. We're going to party. I, I, it's crazy, but I knew when we launched Meadows, we're, we, we're going to lead people to Christ, right? That's part of our mission statement, but you have to also help people grow in their relationship with Jesus, and that piece, here's what I thought it was going to be. I, I kid you not. When I moved to Omaha, I already knew it. It would be the same process that I, that I had at the church where I was saved. We'd have the classes, and I, you'd go to like a, a 101, 
like, uh, and then 201, and then you graduate to 301, and then you go to 401. And then you kinda, you're kind of through those discipleship classes. And 101, you like, once you give your life to Christ, you go to 101. It's membership. You become a member of the church. And you're a member, and you're on a Rolodex. And yeah, we, you feel real good about that. And you're going to learn about maybe the, a little bit of the Bible, and you're going to learn about prayer. And after that, you might graduate to 201. And after that two-hour, after the first two-hour class, you fill in the blanks. You do all that. You learn those things. In 201, you might learn about how to return back to God what is his through a tithe or an offering. You're going to learn about the power of connection through small groups. These are all biblical good things, by the way. And, and you're going to write about those things. You're going to do a two-hour class and fill out those blanks. And then you're done with that. And you're like, okay, what's next? Well, then we're going to go to 301. In 301, I'm going to learn about my spiritual gifts and my, how God has gifted me, and he has. And how God wants to use my gifts and talents both inside the, the body of Christ and outside in the world. And he does. So you, know, you fill all those blanks, and I did this. And I sat there for two hours, and I filled out the blanks. And then finally, you went to 401. And I, guys, I don't even remember what was in 401, but it was going to be life-changing. And it was going to change the world. And I just knew it. And I got done with 401, and nothing changed. Nothing. And, and I'm not saying those were bad. I'm just saying this. I watched, and then I, then I became on staff, and I watched hundreds of people just like you saying, you know what, I want to get, I want to, I want to, I want to be more like Jesus. Well, come to the class. They come to the class, and they would sit down for two hours. They do the blanks, and they put their book away, and they go live their life. And nothing would change. So they're frustrated because, you know what, gosh darn it, I spent two hours, I invested my time, and I did all that stuff, but really nothing's different. And the church is frustrated because, you know what, you, you did all this, and you filled out the blanks, but you're not doing any of it. You're not doing any of it. And they're frustrated, and they're frustrated, and I'm like, and it makes sense, doesn't it? So, so, so God, so I start praying after about the first year of being here. I'm like, God, that, that is not what you want. Not, that, that's not, I'm not saying that's, I hope you don't hear like that's bad. There's churches that do that still, and and I saw some lives change, but I saw many that didn't. Many that didn't. And here's why I believe. Because information, say a classroom setting, information with no application, it's, it's deception. Okay, I've said that to you before. Information, but no application, you're not applying it on a consistent basis, somebody's helping you and walking with you, is deception. It's like, I'm, I'm part of the church. I'm a member of the church. We're members now, honey. But nothing in our life is different. But we're members. We attended the class. But we're still doing the same. But it doesn't matter. We're on a Rolodex. But we're still messed up. I still, okay. So information without application equals deception. It's Ava. Ava, it's like algebra. One time you asked me about algebra. And you said, Dad. Are you excited for school to start, by the way? No? Okay. All right. So, so she, said, she said, Dad. Why, am I, why do we have to take algebra? When am I ever going to apply algebra in my life? And Ava, I'm a pastor and your dad, so I've got to tell the truth. And so I said, Ava, you'll never apply it to your life, okay? So now go upstairs and study for your algebra test. It was just great. So you won't. You won't use it. Because information with no application, it's deception. We're in algebra 2 now, right, Asia? I don't even know what we're in, but it's going to be good. So, okay, repeat after me. Purpose. It's a process. It's a process. See, for, for Meadow, this is speaking to Meadows Church right now. God, you're getting, you're getting some, some stuff here that's going to be with our church for a long time. Picked a great week, weekend to come to church, I promise you. The discipleship process that we're going to have at Meadows, it's a, it's, it, it is a process. It, it won't be a classroom setting. It won't be. It won't be just, hey, come for two hours, fill out these blanks, and you're good to go. It won't, no, churches that do that, God bless them. I pray that people are transformed through it. I pray, pray, pray it happens. But it, I believe it's a process. The primary function of the church is what? 
It's to, just to lead people to Christ and help them grow closer to Jesus. Because ultimately when that happens, they're impacting other people as the body of Christ and lives are being changed. It, it's we're to be like Christ to other people. So our mission, Rachel, you gave it, leading people to Christ and their God-given purpose. Meadows, over the, over the almost four years that we've been in existence, we've done this really well. Like, there are, there are a lot of churches that ask me a lot of questions, like, how in the heck are you guys, get, you know, how are people doing this? And you got growth, and during a pandemic, and attendance is a dipping during the summer, and you got people coming to know Jesus. In fact, since Meadows Church launched on October 8th, 2017, we've had 431 people give their lives to Jesus Christ in our church, and we'll never stop celebrating it. We will not. But, he, but here's the, here's, I won't say problem. There's never a problem with that. That's always a beautiful thing. But, but here's, the, here's the tension. That's a better word. Many, many of those people are here. Many of them have, they've moved or whatever. Some of them have moved or whatever. But many aren't here. So they made this decision for Jesus. And, and, and I, I point the finger at me. I'm like, okay, how did I help walk alongside them? How did, what did I connect them to? What, what process, not classroom, what process did they get connected to that would immediately help them grow in their relationship with Jesus that they just connected with. What, what did we do? Disciple, I wrote this down today, or this week. Disciple making is something Christ commanded. We, we, we just heard him say that. It was the major strategy of the New Testament church. This is all they did. And, and understand this, who's called to go make disciples? Not just, not just like the pastor, or not just like really spiritually mature people. Anybody who has a relationship with Jesus. Anybody. Say, that's me. If, if you have a relationship with Jesus, that's you. We're all called to make disciples for Jesus. So, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, and you're here today, or you're watching online, I'll ask you a question. And don't, don't answer it out loud, but let it challenge you like it did me when I asked myself the question two plus years ago. Who are you discipling? Like, if, if I'm a believer of Jesus Christ, and I'm, Jesus, you told me to go and make disciples, well, who am I going and making into a disciple? I'm the pastor of the church. And that question got posed to me a couple years ago. And I'm like, um, you know, it was a little tense. And uh, so, so let's table that question for now. The church overall as a whole, I don't know if you know the context of the church right now. The pandemic has really shaken things up. Many churches have closed just like many businesses have closed. Um, many churches, I mean, it's, it's, it's just shaking things up, maybe some, some in a not great way, and some actually God's using it for good. Um, the church overall in America is in a steady decline. It has been pre-pandemic. It's been in a steady decline. So, so here's my question. What, and there's churches around the world that are thriving, by the way. So it's not just all churches are declining, but the churches by and large in America are declining. So if Jesus said, and he did, he said, on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail. So Jesus said he would build his church. But Jesus, building means this way, but the churches in America are going this way. So, and it's not on Jesus. If, if Je you know, Jesus, he's not the one messing it up. So if Jesus isn't messing it up, hmm. So maybe it's me. Maybe we're not doing something. If the church isn't growing, it isn't on him. And I wrote this down. Christianity in the early church that Jesus spoke those words to in the Great Commission, it spread like wildfire. The, the churches spread like wildfire across the Mediterranean Rim 2,000 years ago and all the way to, to, to Europe and America. What, what, what's different? Where did we get off track? 
Here's what I contend, and this is why this series is so huge. I contend the key is this. We, we've stopped making disciples. Like, we're good about bringing people in. A lot of churches are, you'll bring them in, and, you know, we'll, we'll do a weekend service or something, and those are all necessary and great things. You ain't going to reach them if you don't get them somewhere. So, but, 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 but I believe the making disciples is the key. And let me give you an illustration to help maybe you understand it, like, like God revealed it to me over the last two years. This, this, this process that I've been praying over, it is so huge for our church. So let's call, the, the room is perfect. So let's call you guys your church A, okay? All right? So l- let's go to you first. So church A, first of all, that's not a very creative name, so you can do better than that. That's weak, okay? So church A, you got a lot going for you over here, okay? You are a pretty thriving church. You've got some resources. You've got some people that are, are tithing and, and they're helping ministry grow. And you've got a building. I'm jealous, man. Meadows, we, you know, anyway. So you've got a building and you've got, um, you've got nice things. And you center, you center your evangelism or your strategy around the weekend message. So the weekend message, what we're doing right here, it's huge. And you pour a lot into it. And uh, it's, it's uh, you've got, I mean, you've got elaborate lighting. And you've got speakers, your own beautiful speakers in the, you know, uh, in the air, hung in the air. They're great sound. And, and you've got fog machines, multiple fog machines, a lot of them. And how did they reach people back then without them? I don't even understand it. So, but you've got fog machines and your worship team, you got leaders and the worship team is really good and they got the skinniest, tightest jeans and everything is good. Everything is good. But your, your strategy, your strategy, but that's how you're bringing people in and you put on a very good performance. Not bad, it's a performance for God. God gets the glory. So you are, you are a God-honoring church and great things are happening actually. From the, from the, if you were outside your church looking in, you'd look at church A and say, holy cow, they've got, you've got ministries, like you've got programs. Your ministries have ministries. You know, you've got, you've got preteen, you've got teen, you've got posting, you've got young adult, you've got married, single, widowed, uh, you've got, you know, parenting, co-parenting, step-parenting, uh, single dad, single mom, single dog. You've got every ministry there is. So you've got every, you're offering it all. And so you've got all these programs, and you've got the weekend service, and people are coming in. And what happens? You launched, let's say you launched 10 years ago. And every year you've grown by like 200 people. That's huge. Any, most churches that, that are looking at your model, they'd be jealous. They're like, oh my gosh. If every year they're growing by 200, that would mean like after 10 years, which is where you are today, you'd be a mega church. You'd be a megachurch at over 2,000 people. You would have influence. You'd have people calling you and this, and how do you do that? And, oh, can you come speak here? And you'd feel really good about yourselves as a church. And you really should. You're, you're leading people to Christ. You're, you're growing. You're, you're, a bigger, you're a big church now with a lot of influence. But you don't have really a discipleship process. You, you don't have anything to really walk with people beyond, hey, let's go to the weekend service. Let's get a good message to fill up. A few of you might get in a small group. A few of you might read the word of God. A few of you might do some spiritual disciplines. But by and large, there's no strategic process. Say process. Church B. Also not a very creative name. Okay, I'm going to get on you for that. Church B. Seriously, you can do better than that. So church B, you don't have what they have. Okay, you love the Lord too, but, but you don't have the fancy building. You don't have the fancy speakers. You don't have the fancy lighting. You have zero fog machines. How would you do anything for, I don't get it. So you're screwed. I mean, okay, so you have nothing that they have. Nothing, no, no special ministries. Not, n- n- I mean, 
But what you do have is this. You have a process. Like, like your pastor and your leaders early on said, you know what, we're going to do, do what Jesus said. We're going to go and make disciples. So your pastor, he, it wasn't many, but he had three people. He said, all right, I'll, I'll walk with you. We'll walk through the word of God and we'll do it together. And that's what they did. And for a full year, the church was four people. Four, okay? That's not a mega church. That is a micro church. And, but that's who you are. And that's all that happens. So church A is rocking and rolling, looking really good. And, you're, and they're wondering, when's that church going to close its doors? When's that church going to just die and go away? Because that's basically where you're at. But you, 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 you're steady. And you stay the course. And then after a year, uh, you, the pastor says to the three, all right, now you go do the same. You go do what I did. And then he gets, he go finds three people and he says, all right, let's walk, to, let's walk through the word and let's do life together and let's, let's get real with each other and let's just really hold each other accountable. And they go do it. So, so this happens and by year three through that little system that they created, they're a church of 27 people. Woo! 27! Look at you go. So 27 people. Doesn't seem real, real uh, great, but you're committed to the process and you keep doing it. And by year five, you're 240 people. And people are like, oh, that church is still around. Oh, they still, oh my, they're still portable. They still don't have a building. They don't have much. But man, they got a few people coming now. There are 240 people not just sitting, but there are 240 people that are committed. So, so guess what? So church A, mega church, 2,000 plus people. Church B, by year five, 240. If they keep doing what they're doing, which is what the model I just kind of described to you very briefly. By year 10, they're not 2,000. You know what they are? 60,000. 60,000. 60,000 committed people to a process that is very so simple, but, but they're just so committed that, that they do it. Well, Pastor, what, 60, numbers seem like a big deal to you. Absolutely. Numbers are a huge deal to me, and I hope they are to you too. The Word of God, He, he created a whole book in the Bible that says numbers. He, he does care about numbers. I mean, but you're a number. But, but don't, before you get offended, let me finish. Every number has a name. Say, I have a name. You do. And every name has a story. Say, I have a story. And every story matters to God. Say, I matter to God. You desperately matter to God. You desperately matter to God. If we want to see a movement, and I desperately want this, and I believe you do too. If we want to see a movement that, that truly lasts, a movement that, 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 that is undeniable. We, we have to get intentional about making disciples. Not, not just making disciples, but making disciples that make disciples who make disciples. I'm telling you that when we do that, we will push back the gates of hell. We will do that. It will happen, I promise you. It may not look that grandeur to other churches, but who cares? I didn't compare me to other churches. We don't care. I want to look good to God. I want to be obedient to the Father. I want to do what Jesus said. He said, go and make disciples. Let's do it. So, so with that said, I want to tell you, I want to just teach a little more on disciple making so you understand it. Disciple making, discipleship, disciple making, what Jesus commanded, it's intentional, say intentional. It's intentional relationships with Jesus at the center. That's all it is. Don't complicate it, Okay. We're not, we're not going to be a church that does a lot of, and I believe in classrooms, I believe in teaching, I believe in learning, I believe in um, seminars. I like all that. I'm a learner. But I'm telling you what, I'm telling you, when you look at the model of the first church, they, didn't, they weren't sitting in a classroom that I saw. They were together and they had intentional relationships with Christ at the center. And, and, the, and there's two things you need to know that it's not. If it isn't evangelical, it isn't disciple making. 
Okay, wait, that's a big word, Pastor. What do you mean, evangelical? Okay, evangelical, all that means is uh, reaching people for Jesus. It means that you're outreach. It means that you're, when you're inviting somebody to church, you're being evangelical. When you're sharing your faith, you're being evangelical. Okay? That just, when you're leading anybody in, to Jesus in any way, an invite card, that's evangelical. So if, if it's not evangelical, it's not disciple-making. Because there's some people that will say, well, that church is all about, they're about reaching people for Jesus. But this church over here, they're about, they really grow people deeper in their faith. It's not one or the other, it's both. And I'll tell you this, if discipleship that's done well, it always leads back to evangelism. It always does. If discipleship doesn't lead to evangelism, it's not discipleship. So it's not about like, well, we're, do, we're in a Bible study together and we do life together and that's it. Well, if that's it, I don't want to be involved because it's always got to point back to reaching lost people, right? I, I can't stand holy huddles. Or I'm just going to get filled up with the Word of God. I know a lot of people filled up with the Word of God and they're, they're not doing nothing for God. And we, I don't want to be that church. The, discipleship always points back to lost people. It always does. If it's, so Acts 1.8. So this is the, the, the Great Commission a lot of people think th th those were the last words Jesus spoke. They weren't. They weren't. The last words that we have that Jesus spoke were in Acts 1-8. Okay? Both these are phrases that he spoke in the 40 days that he hung out before he ascended into heaven after he rose from the dead. Acts 1-8. These are the final words that we know of from Christ. But you will receive power, Meadows Church, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you, and you will be my witnesses. You, you will evangelize, you could say. You'll be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. That's evangelical right there. In Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. So the last words that Jesus said is, go reach them for me. Go reach them for me. Go get them. You're, you're, you're me to them. I'm going away. I'll send you my spirit. But you're it. So if it's not evangelical, it is not disciple-making. It's always got to point back to reaching lost people. It always does, and it always will. That's why our mission is to lead people to Christ and their God-given purpose. So, number two, if it's not relational, it's the not disciple-making. Okay? Now, that's where you got to kick out the classroom setting. Because the classroom setting, it's not, it, you're just sitting there, you're filling in blanks, you're filling out a book, and you're, oh, look at me, look at me go, I filled it out, I'm a member, woo! But it's not, it's not relational. And if it's not re relational... And intentional that way, it won't change your life. It, it won't do it, I promise you. I, I, I've been in this arena. So, so look how relational the disciples were. So Jesus in Acts 1-8, remember? Go reach him for me. All right, see you guys. And he's gone. You know what they did next? This is what it says. They were, they were relational. Acts 2-42. All of them devoted themselves to the teachings, to the fellowship. That's relationship to sharing in meals that's relational, to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all. The apostles performed miraculous signs and wonders. That can be you. That can be me, by the way. That isn't just then, but it can be now. All the believers met together. Why? They were relational in one place, and they shared everything they had. They sold stuff, possessions, property. They shared their money. They were together. It was, they were a family. They worshiped together at the temple. Remember what I said? Every day, not just on every week, but every day. It, they were, it was all in. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper. They shared meals. Great joy, great generosity. All the while doing what? All the while. Um, all the people each day. I missed a part. <laughs> all the while praising God. Yes. And enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day. 
The Lord added their number. Wow, so it went back to evangelism. Each day the Lord added to their number, added to their fellowship, those that were being saved. Discipleship is not about, we need more programs, we need more programs. No, no, no. Discipleship is intentional relationships with Christ at the center. When Jesus is at the center of you, and Jesus is at the center of me, you and I will change the world together. We'll do it. And Jesus said, with my power, you can do it. Say, I can do it. Shout, it's a process. It's a process. It's a process. Church B didn't look great to the world. 27 people, that wasn't, that wasn't much, but they were committed. 240, that's all you got after five years? God's honoring it. They were so ordinary. Nothing special about them. The Bible says it. Acts 4.13. These men and women, they were ordinary. This says ordinary men. They were talking about uh, Peter, Peter and John, I think. But Jesus had both men and women as disciples, obviously. I love it. They had no special training in the scriptures. None. Another way to say that is, you know what? This group, they weren't voted, they weren't voted the most popular. They're not the best-looking bunch, and they're kind of dumb. But you know what? God sure seemed to use them. They sure seem committed to the process. It's not about intelligence. Thank God. It's not about intelligence. It's about persistence. It's about the process. Proverbs 21.5. Good planning and hard work. That's what Church B was doing. It'll lead to prosperity. Another translation says steady plotting leads to prosperity. You know what steady plotting looks like? It looks, it looks torturous at times. It looks slow. It looks methodical. It looks like I'm not really getting anywhere. But day in and day out, it leads to prosperity. But hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. I'll tell you something. The process that we're talking about, this, 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 this purpose that's a process... It is a process. And if you'll commit to it, I promise you, you, you will change the world. It will change your world. I, but I also promise you, again, Church B, it, 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 it takes time. We live in a society, I was talking to people in the Welcome Center, I said, we live in a, a microwave society, right? I want it now. We want it now. Everything needs to be done now. You know, and we, we, we expect, okay, I, I want this overnight. And I, I jacked my life up in all these years, but I want it all back today. I want it all back tomorrow. I, I like to say it. Everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die to get there. Right? I want the gold medal. Dang, well, do you know what they did to get the gold medal? You don't know. The practice? The, perper, the perspiration? The preparation? You don't know anything about it. All you see is the victory dance. And all you see is the, the celebration and the backflip on the wrestling mat. And you see he got the gold medal. Everybody wants the gold medal. Everybody wants the platform. Nobody wants the process. I want to be a church that wants the process. God grows you little by little, by the way, if you didn't know that. God grows you little by little. God delivers you little by little. God promotes you little by little. But with every little step in the same direction, with the same obedience, it will lead you to living on purpose for a purpose. It will change your life. Every step in the right direction will change you. It will change you. 
It won't look good to the world many days, but when you're in it, in the good, and you're in it, in the bad. By the way, that's how Jesus did it for you. He did it little by little, step by step. It started at the cradle. You know the story. But little by little, step by step. Hey, John, baptize me. Let's do it. Little by little, step by step, he goes into the wilderness. The devil tempts him. He doesn't give it in. Give in. Step by step, little by little. Jesus, at the end of the day, he walks up a hill carrying a cross on Calvary. You know how he got there? Little by little, step by step. Every step mattered. One misstep, one step of obedience, we're not here today. That's how much his steps mattered. Can I tell you something? That's how much your steps matter. They're, 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 they're that important. Every little step you take towards Jesus, that's discipleship. That's growing. It's amazing what Jesus will do. So Jesus carries this cross up a hill, little by little. And when he had the cross in his hands, he had you in his heart. And he gets up to the top. And he's never sinned. He's never done anything wrong. And they put it in there. And you know, little by little, they pound the stake into one hand. And little by little, they pound the stake in the other hand. And little by little, he breathes. And his breaths are getting shorter and shorter. And over six hours, little by little, the breath is leaving his lungs. Little by little, he talks to the Father and says, this is your will, Father. It's been a process, hasn't it, Dad? Yep, it has, son. But the process isn't done yet. So Jesus Christ dies on the cross, little by little. The blood trickles out, and soon it's over. But it wasn't. I wrote this down. The cross, by the way, I love this. The cross is where God put his love on full display. His love he lavished on us through the cross. But the cross was never the end of the story. It, it, the cross was a means to an end. It was part of the process. Because why? Three days later. Now, if the, so if the cross, if the cross is where God put his love on full display, then the empty tomb is where God put his power on full display. Because three days later, Jesus Christ was not dead, but he was alive. He was alive. And because of the resurrection, you and I get to do this. You and I get to grow together. You and I get to love together. You and I sometimes will fight together, but you and I will do life together. And it's a process. And if you've never sold out to the resurrection of Jesus Christ, well, that's your first step. There is no discipleship. There is no process. You're, if you don't do that, your process is chaos and death. That's all that awaits you. This is the first step to life. I believe in what he said. That guy, he was dead, and then he was alive. He was dead, and then he showed up, and he started teaching to the people again. You've got to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. You need to believe that he died and he rose from the dead. No one else can pull that off but him, and he did it for you. It's so crazy, and I talk to people, and I tell them the story of the gospel, and I pray the gospel never gets old for you. This is how you are saved. You can't earn it, you can't do anything to get it, you're not good enough, and neither am I. The resurrection of Jesus is why we have hope. It's why, you even, it's, why it's even worth breathing today. It's because he is in you when you surrender to him and ask him to forgive you and make you new. If you've never done that, God, will you do it today? I'm praying you'll do it today online. I pray you'll like type, type I choose Jesus in the comments. Choose them to commit to the process of watching what Jesus wants to do in your life. 
He will change you. But I talk to people and they don't feel worthy of it. God, is that you? You don't feel worthy of what Jesus did? You're not worthy of it, neither am I, but he did it anyway. That's the love of the Father. He loves you that much. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what they said or what they're saying or what they posted about you or what they're gossiping about you. Why? Because God had a purpose for your life before anybody had an opinion about your life. That's why. I don't care what they say. I care what he says. We, we do it for the applause of nail-scarred hands. God, he is our hope. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share one more scripture. Paul, probably the, one of the greatest Christians who's ever walked the earth, wrote a lot of the New Testament. And maybe this is for the person that feels like giving up, or the, for the person that feels like giving in, or the, for the person that feels like, my God, that he died for me? I'm, I'm worthless. I, I'm, I'm a sinner. Yes. That's what I mean. Your sin doesn't disqualify you from the grace of God. It's actually what qualifies you. Does that make sense? It doesn't mean you should want to do it. It just means that that's why he came. But Paul, so Paul, if anybody was gossip about, if anybody was persecuted, if anybody was ridiculed, if anybody was hated, it was Paul. He used to kill Christians and then he became one. So he had a mixed, he had a mixed bag of people that loved him and hated him. And they didn't love him just when he became a Christian. In fact, he had more people hate him then than before he was a Christian. So if you're being persecuted, well, Jesus would say, blessed are you. The kingdom of heaven is yours. You will face persecution. But greater is he that is in me than anything in this world. Paul writes this, and this is for anybody. You are at your wit's end. I don't know who I'm talking to. You are really struggling in an area of your life. You, you, you have, you, there's something where you want to give up and you want to give in. This scripture wasn't even in the message two days ago. I'll tell you that. Now it's the closer. It's for you. Paul wrote it. I love it. I press on. Say, I press on. I press on. To possess the perfection. He's talking about growing in Christ. I press on to, to possess the, that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, no, dear brothers, I don't have it figured out. I haven't achieved it. But I focus on this one thing. Who's it for? Forgetting your past. Stop living in your past. Stop replaying the message in your head. Stop beating yourself up for something that Jesus died to forgive you for. Or as your pastor likes to say it, Pull your head out of your past. Welcome to Meadows Church. I, I, you should learn from it. You shouldn't live in it, okay? Don't live there anymore. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. There are great days ahead for Meadows Church. By the way, you are Meadows Church. There are great days ahead for you. If you, if you want to surround yourself with what God has for you. So many people, so I'm telling, so if the devil's telling you lies today, oh, you're not good enough, you're not smart enough, you'll always go back to that person, you'll always go back to that setting, you'll always screw up, you'll never get ahead, you'll always fail, It'll, you'll never get there. If he's telling you lies, maybe you need to look him in the eyes and tell him this. You know what, devil? I may not be where I want to be, but I'm not where I used to be. I'm, that's what you need to tell the devil, because he, that began a good work in me will continue that work 
until Jesus Christ returns. Can you shout for 10 seconds because you love him? Can you give him praise because you care? Can you put your hands together and shout for noise? God, we love you. God, we thank you. God, we need you. Back to the question. Who are you discipling? If you can't answer the question, don't feel bad. I couldn't either. And I'm your pastor. But here's my promise to you. If you'll commit to this series in the month of August, and I pray you invite others, this is for anybody and everybody that wants life change. The process of life change. Not their microwavable version, but the oven version. Put it in, not for 45 seconds, but for 45 minutes and let it bake. That's what he wants to do. It is a process. By the way, this is what's nuts. If every follower of Jesus today just made two disciples, we'd evangelize the entire world within your lifetime. That's how many are not doing it. And, and I've been guilty of that too. But I'm telling you, God has hope for you. God has, God has such hope for you. He loves you so much. I want to be a church that leads people to Jesus and then helps them grow. Meadows, you and I, we've done a great job leading people to Christ. Keep inviting, keep loving. We can share the gospel, keep reaching people for Jesus. But let's now also grow so we can keep changing and we can keep morphing into who God created us to be so we can reach even more people and even make a bigger impact for the kingdom of God. God didn't create you to make a little, small, tiny den. He created you to make a difference. So I'm going to pray for you. And we're going to do something that is a little different, but that's Meadows Church. Prayer team, wherever you are, you're going to just kind of stand in the aisles again. And uh, you can get up when I start praying. And I just want you to pray together with somebody around you after I'm done praying. And just huddle up. Maybe it's for 30 seconds. Maybe it's for 10 minutes. It's, that's up to you. That's up to you and God. Don't be shy. Don't be whatever. And, and don't get as close as you want to. I, you know, be... But if you need prayer team, they're going to be walking in the aisles. You want them to come pray over you. Maybe no one wants to pray in the group. Whatever. Will you pray something boldly over you and your group? Pray that God would, would move in such a mighty way in you today through the power of the Holy Spirit that, that it would draw you to his presence like you've never felt before. That's my prayer for you. I don't want to just go to church. I want to be the church. Father, in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, I got to thank you for being committed to the process. The process of loving every prodigal son and daughter in this place, including the one with the mic. For, for, for what you did, little by little, step by step, it blows me away. Your grace is truly enough. It truly is enough to save and set us free. Father, for anybody that's never accepted that grace, I pray they surrender today and give it all to you. And Father, for those that have, well, this message was for them as well. That they're ready to start growing. That they're ready to truly start changing. That they're going to commit themselves to the series to learn what we're really going to do as a church to help us grow closer to you and each other. That they're going to commit not just to the series in August, but they're going to commit to continually reaching out to people that are Lonely, hurting, addicted, dead on the inside, going through a divorce, going through a financial strain, going through a fight with kids. Who gets custody? Who gets this? Who gets that? They, people need us, God. They need us to be you to them. 
So I pray right now, God, over everybody, and I pray over the prayers they're about to pray with each other, God. I pray that you anoint their prayers and that, that you answer them according to your will. If you do that, it's a great day, Father. We love you. We thank you for the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's been preached today. You've been glorified today, and it's not going to stop. This is just the beginning. It always is with you, God. We'll never stop declaring. In you, the best is yet to come. In Jesus' name I pray and we all say, amen. Hey, I want to thank you so much for tuning in today. But don't stop there. I invite you to like or subscribe to our social channels. That way you don't miss a single video, update, or message. But not only that, would you consider sharing this message with a friend, coworker, family member? I mean, so many people need hope and encouragement, and you have the ability to bring it directly to them. Finally, one more thing. I want to ask that you would consider giving financially to this ministry. I mean, God has done so much, but yet we believe he wants to do so much more, like so many more people he wants to reach, so much more hope he wants to give, so many more lives that he wants to save, and your investment can help make that happen. So again, thank you so much. I love you, and God loves you more. God bless you.